Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and well, whatever you feel like tonight, it is time for Thirsty Thursday. I am Ryan DeMay. I will be one of your hosts tonight. With us, we've got our special friend. That's right. He's very special, and he is our friend, Mr. Ray Ito. Ray, how in the hell are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, well, that shirt. Uh, yeah. What? This shirt? Look at that. Look at that. That's the Ray. If you're not aware of that, that is Ray driving the death van. That's a that's a callback to our uh, our uh, podcast, Burn <laughs> Return, which you can also find here on the channel and also on all of your podcast affiliates, Spotify, all that stuff. And if you do like that, go ahead and leave us a review on there. We really do appreciate that. Matt, he is, uh, well, he's riding a flux capacitor or something right now to rip through the time-space continuum and Get over here to talk to Ray, you, I, and one of our repeat guests. Somebody who was on here with us way back when. I think it was still not even like Thirsty Thursday yet. I think this is like one of our OG pilot member. Like It's not even in his IMDB uh, filmography. Uh, it's attributed to Thirsty Thursday. I am talking about our friend Brandon, also known as Turf Culture. Brandon, good evening. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good. Now, hey. I, yeah. will say, I, I will say that, uh, you know, as uh, soothing as all of our voices can be, uh, Brandon has the most radio-like, radio-ready, ASMR, put you to sleep, uh, read a book on tape, or narrate your favorite dirty film. I think he could do any of it as a voice <laughs> actor, but he actually has a day job in the IT world. But, like many of our IT friends... Brandon dabbles a little bit, and uh, and and Brandon, as we'll find out tonight, has gone a little beyond the dabbling. He, uh, you know, he has taken his relationship to, with turf to the next level, and we're proud of him. We want to hear all about it. So, uh, you know, this this should be an interesting episode diving back in because I think last year, right, we were putting together like this super intricate, detailed program for you to grow. Uh, Lomo bluegrass in the St. Louis area, and I think if I said correctly at the time, I don't know if I said it was the armpit or the taint. Can you can you help me out as to which area? Uh, uh, I could flip body a coin I, there. Yeah, yeah I, I, see, I think that uh, our friend uh, our friend Timmy Bluegrass, who's also been on the show, I I say the Mid Atlantic is like the armpit, Ray, and I think that mm -hmm. St. Louis area, that area of the country, is more like taint uh, because. You know, it can not only can it be hot and sweaty, but it can also be uncomfortable. You never say, "Oh, you know, my pits are uncomfortable," but uh, you know, you could have some, uh, you know, some fermented cheese and some itching and some other things that creep up on you if you're not careful. And so, <laughs> yeah, some horrific we're, we're, things happen, right? We're, we're right. So, things. Unspeakable things. So, yeah. Ray, uh, you know, for the folks that are afraid of, uh, you know, that dreaded disease on turf known as crotch rot. We are here to be the gold-bound powder here to Brandon's turf program this evening and hopefully uh, bring him, uh, you know, uh, some good thoughts, some, uh, some uh, you know, medication and med medicated, I think, is the, is the right word they use. So I'm looking forward to it. So, okay, Brandon, for the folks that don't know you, haven't heard of you, lay it on us. Who are you? Where are you from? All the, you know, the, the getting to know you stuff and uh, introduce yourself to our much wider cast of characters that now watches us on a weekly basis. Yeah, so you know, as the ones that come out of the woodwork um, that haven't seen any content I that I create, 
um, either on YouTube or Instagram or, you know, wherever the case may be. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Turf Culture. I do low-mo Kentucky bluegrass in St. Louis, which is um, probably not my best decision. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it's, that more. We're proud of you. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, and as you mentioned, too, you know, so I was the I was the original uh, guest on the All Pro Turf Show, which I kind of look at that as like the pilot episode for The Sopranos. It didn't look quite like the rest of the series. It didn't, you know, it didn't flow like the rest of the series, but, you know, the, the inner workings were there, right? And so yes, uh, I'm glad I was able to so. be the guinea pig for that first rollout. But uh, I'm glad to make it, make, make it back on the show so we can tear apart my lawn plans from last year and what I did and, and maybe help me not avoid the same mistakes going forward. Yeah, and uh, here's here's the thing is, uh, you know, I follow along with all of your content, and the thing I've always been most struck by is, uh, number one, your humility. I think a lot of people, especially creators that go into that space, are super afraid to, you know, show the ugly and not, you know, admit, you know, admit that, listen, like, I'm not a professional. I'm not, you know, I'm learning as I go, and the only way to learn is to do, and right? Listen, we even screw yeah. up, right? Like, yeah, stuff has happened. <laughs> stuff has happened, right, Ryan? In this. Stuff has happened. In my way, really has been just the the growth that I've seen in what you're willing to try, what, you know, and, and I can see it leveling up. And I'm not blowing smoke. I'm just saying, like, that's the that's the vibe I get is like, hey, this is extremely difficult to do. And I'm doing it, and I'm gonna go push through the bad because I know there's more good on the other side, and that's that's really cool. So, okay, so when you left us last time, and again for the folks that don't know, uh, you had Kentucky bluegrass, and lay it out for us. What cultivars? When did you establish it? And sort of what was the maintenance regime as far as like mowing heights and things like that going into, you know, a year ago from right now? Right. So we started the renovation. Um, the fall of 20. So that was, um, September, I think it was like mid September seed down, um, for a, you know, 100% Kentucky bluegrass lawn. That was, um, uh, Everest new glade and, um, God forbid I put midnight into that mix regretting. Um, it's all right. Yeah. You you know, I didn't know any better at the time, but anyway, but, uh, so, and actually that, you know, that fall, I almost had total coverage on you know aside from a, a few areas uh, that really kind of washed out a little bit but um i seeded that right into you know a quarter inch sand cap that i had built you know when i killed mm. the original lawn Ooh. and i and i and i put that on sand so um i think that's part of the reason why it it established so quickly um it gave the you know the grass opportunity to root a little bit and then kind of spread out mm-hmm. just because it you know the sand definitely helped big time so um you know the plan was just to get something established before winter hit and it went dormant, right? And so that was okay. um, that was what I was going for at the time. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting take, uh, an interesting observation. And again, I think that's part of just, you know, your growth is, you know, it, it takes that, like, observation, reflection, oh, hey, why did that happen? And sometimes you're able to tell, and other times, you know, you're instructed on YouTube to put, 14 different products in the tank and you have no idea why it works. So Ray, I'm curious on your part, uh, you know, and, and I know that you haven't done this with cool season grass like Brandon has, but 
what do you find is like the 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 challenges and you know pros and cons i guess on establishing on sand versus a native soil because i i have some thoughts and i'm curious to hear brandon's too because he just mentioned something there that i think is really crucial to to share with our viewers okay my only challenge would be nutrients and so i seldom get to establish seed on sand i do get to establish sprigs on sand so the thing about sprigs on sand is as soon as those sprigs develop their own you know independent root system and mm -hmm. have take you know struck root that is when i start pushing the nutrients mm -hmm. above and beyond what i do to an established turf grass area well okay and I think that makes okay. sense. And so, go ahead on the on the native soil. Then, what do you see there? What I see there is, I actually dislike native soil because there's often element excesses mm -hmm. and actual cases where the nutrients are present, but they're not available to the grass. So. I'm in a position where I might as well act like that soil is useless and it's might as well be sand. <laughs> do you have a do you have a, a, a do you have like a David Goggins like uh, talk with the soil? Do you tell it how bad it is and what a terrible terrible nope. individual nope. it is? Uh, you should. No, nope, you I, should. No, I I don't do that because for me, uh, I see David Goggins. I literally yeah. have to just change the channel. Oh, Ray, say it ain't so. I have to just change. We'll watch some Goggins. I, we'll find some Goggins you know, in, in the after show. I, mean, I, I, I love mean, it because because for because for me, I, I find him to be a total turnoff. Oh, all right, we'll have to talk. I about read this. that book a couple years ago, and it changed my life for like six months before I went back to my <laughs> degenerate self. <laughs> You should tweet them that. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> you you affected like 1.4% of my actual time on this earth, and I'm so proud for it, but uh, we're breaking up. It's over. Sorry, man. So, okay. I like pizza too much, bro. Anyway. <laughs> hey. I digress. Li live well, live you, fast you, and die when you die. Well, sorry. I mean, I, I just cannot uh, get into the whole... Uh, fashion of uh physically killing myself every single day i just can't do it okay cannot well, and that's yeah yeah it well and so i think from a uh a turf perspective right like uh this is it's one of the most challenging places to grow grass where he's at uh because it's excessively cold it can be excessively cold in the winter it's ex it is excessively hot in the summertime. Like there's no getting around it. There's no, <laughs> I don't I don't see anybody in St. Louis saying, "Yeah, it was a pretty mild summer. It wasn't too bad." It's never, never like I actually never. I did some content on this. I did some research on like climatology. Weather, you mean weather base? No, nah, just oh, okay. Base. I don't. Okay, yeah, I'm not that smart. Um, but to, you know, days above ninety for mm -hmm. a given year on average, mm -hmm. St. Louis has forty five. 45 days above 90 on average. That's average. At, That's average. Yeah. Atlanta has 35. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then just Damn. a little bit east of me, in Indianapolis has eighteen. I mean, that's it's it's yeah, it's one, crazy. It's twenty. It's twenty in Columbus. I know. I know we're yeah. We're so it's, here in it's insane it's, just how centralized that heat is. You know, that all comes up from the Gulf. We have no bodies of water, no mountain ranges here to regulate temperature. So it's mm-hmm. absolutely miserable for you know forty five days out out of the year. It's just. Well, just, just come, just come check it out sometime. You know, that's that's yeah, all I well, can say. Is... And as we said near the top of the show, you know, it taint the ass and it taint the balls. It's just the taint. So, like, we get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So understood. Okay. The 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 thing the the thing you said about the sand there, I thought was interesting because I do believe, especially uh, for you know rhizomatous grasses like Kentucky bluegrass, for example. Or like uh, Bermuda grass, that's both rhizomatous and stoloniferous, right? That in sand, establishing those in sand is uh, harder to manage the water, harder from an establishment standpoint, but from a uh, you know gaining coverage, building density, things like that, it's actually easier. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? It's it, it's much easier to fail, but it's also easier to succeed if you can get past that establishment piece, right? So I always caution people because they're like, oh, man, I'm going to sand cap and I'm going to do this. It's like, okay, like you're adding a a definite degree of complexity um, and difficulty there, but there's reward on the back end of it, right? If you can grow it right, take care of it. So I think that's uh, that's interesting. All right, so you get this thing all all chooching and going and everything like that. So how did last year work out for you? You know, what were some of your biggest successes, biggest challenges, and no – I didn't ask the strengths, weaknesses question. This isn't a job interview, I assure you. Maybe it is. So we were, uh, I mean, going into spring, uh, coming out of dormancy in spring, um, it, it looked fantastic. I was feeling a little bit overly optimistic and confident at that point that um, I was going to prove everybody wrong and this was going to work out, right? Um, there it is. There it is. Uh, that was, I believe this photo was taken probably around this time last year, actually right okay. before May. Um, we usually get our big growth, surge growth in, in May. It's our 100% growth potential time uh, at the end of mm-hmm. April and May. So um, color and everything was looking fantastic. Uh, this is about the time I started dabbling with growth regulators and DMI fungicides, which uh, set me back a little mm. bit. And, and we can talk about some mistakes I made there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so okay, that's that, that, I mean that, that looks great at that time of the year. So then, okay, so it was the it, you know as you deconstruct right and sort of do the post mortem on the twenty one season, do you was okay? Let me say this, and and Ray can probably back me up here. It's usually you know just like any uh, you know uh, train train crash or, or or plane disaster or something like that. It's usually not just one singular moment, right? That you can say, oh, right there, but it is many things leading up to that point, and then obviously, like there's, uh, you know, obviously a crucial critical failure. But in this case, do you think it was that piece of mixing PGRs and DMIs like early-ish on, and that sort of set things back, or what's your what's your take on that? No, it was a it was a culmination of several things I did throughout the year. All right, yeah, so let's hear let, let's hear let's hear the let's hear the autopsy report. Okay. So, <laughs> your mouth. right. So, 
So the thing I've learned about DMIs and, and regulators is you got to run those at low rates, right? You can't run them together at the, at, the, at the high rate. You get a significant turf injury if you do that. And especially if you're regulating with, with you know, in this case, uh, Trinex Peck Ethel, so TNEX and, mm-hmm. and Armada in, you know, tank mixed at the high rate, uh, you're going to get a significant amount of turf damage, but it's not going to grow out of that because it's under so much regulation. So at a That's time... Cool. When I should be pushing a ton of growth at the 100% growth potential mark, I'm not getting any growth, and I have damaged turf grass because it's under regulation, it's injured, and I can't get it out of there. Yeah, uh, there was a uh, a product uh, Ray, so uh, triticonazole, I believe it was, and triticonazole. Yeah, when that first came out, it was. All the signs point to it's safe to use with uh, growth regulators, this DMI, this, that, and the other thing. And people started spraying mm-hmm. it on greens, on uh, mm-hmm. Benton and Poa Annua greens. And boy, howdy, uh, it was not fit for service with PGRs. And there, there, that summer that it came out, I would bet, Ray, that there were at least uh, five to seven really really high-end places that fired their superintendents just specifically because they lost greens because of that interaction right between a dmi and uh trinex impact and so you know uh, I, I could predict that i could predict mm-hmm. that actually ryan because there was a warning regarding applying triticonazole to bermuda there was a warning oh, i could I see believe. that i could see that well and again you and, know, okay so and, t- talk about Paclo. And or Trinex impact at higher rates, Ooh. and what that does to Bermuda. Okay, Ooh. if you're not Telly Coleman, Typically, because Telly Coleman has uh, t- tungsten balls to uh, roll in there and just, yeah, to, and I don't then, understand. Yeah, okay, yes, but uh, with Gong. a PGR of that class, you know, on Bermuda and even on something like Zoisha or St. Augustine, for example, mm-hmm. you run the risk of severe overregulation to the point of causing turf decline. Oh, yeah. And in, yeah. And in fact, uh, there's actually a specific warning not to apply Paclo or even Cutlass to a Bermuda grass green. Yeah. You do not uh, I mean, ever do that. Yeah. You just don't do it. And what that tells me then is the PGRs with a high propensity, you know, to do that. And even the DMI fungicides, be careful because I also know something about straight Baliton. I'm talking oh, about Baliton without it being, you know, co-packaged with the uh mm-hmm. and fungicide and then applied at very high rates mm-hmm. do not do that to bermuda st augustine or seashore pespalum don't yeah i've applied because you'll you'll be you'll be uh you'll, you'll be rather sorry and uh i did I, that's one of the bad things that i did to myself once mm. ryan yeah, high rate, I, bail it, high rate to C sharp S <laughs> Yeah, 
you know, I think what the takeaways here are, Brandon, is uh, twofold. Number one, you know, you can alleviate all of these issues with, uh, you know, the plant growth regulator and DMI interaction simply by installing Bermuda and forgetting about, you know, having to spray fungicides in the summer in St. Louis. That's number one. And number two is uh, it should be known that Telly Coleman actually sets off the metal detectors at the airport when he's driving past on the freeway. <laughs> so we, we talked last year about, about iron cutter and there's a grower out here that, that has iron cutter and uh, I've seen it. Heartland over in Columbia, Illinois. It's just right across the Mississippi from me. Um, yeah. Thank it, God you pronounced yeah. it right. Oh, I mean, I may be a little further North, but I'm not all the way up there. I, well, I got nervous yeah. for a second. But it's pronounced Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. You get, you gotta, you gotta roll the R almost to roll time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, I've been selling that internally here at the house. Not everyone in that lives in my house uh, is a fan of Bermuda. So, I mean, how could you not be? So here's the thing, you know, what, what, let, me, let, this, me, let me, let me, let me, let me coach you on the sales conversation. Let's hear it. Okay. So let, let me show you, okay, here's the qualifiers. Okay. Um, has to look green all the time and, um, has to be low maintenance, right? which Bermuda can be uh, if it's planted in the right place. However, the examples that we have in this area of Bermuda is usually common Bermuda or wild Bermuda that is not taken care of and mowed at four inches. And so when you say Bermuda Mm -hmm. here, that's the first thing that people think of, not low Mm -hmm. mode Bermuda grass, right? Um, And then there's also the, well, you know, the, the stadiums can grow bluegrass just fine. Why can't? Why can't you do it? And then that brings up an entire different conversation about Whoa. resources. Whoa. And equipment, right? Well, then, so then, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, yeah, then, then we need to talk about the budget, right? Because, uh, yeah, the champagne on the beer budget. Listen, the, the uh, here's here's the way to think about Bermuda. You know, we talked about the uh, the taint, the fermenta, all the the nasty things that take place with uh, St. Louis. You were in here for that. You were. You weren't here for this. Just roll with it, Matthew. Roll with I'm, it. I'm, I'm going. There, I, you see me smiling? I'm smiling. I'm saying that, that uh, here, here's the way I would look at this, Ray. In St. Louis, in that weather, in that environment, right, for the time of year, well, you know, from May through September, you know, Bermuda is the mm-hmm. Botox for the taint. It's going to shut down all those yep. sweat glands. It's going to make it look beautiful. It's going to make it look cheery and wonderful, <laughs> and everybody's going to love it. So... I think somebody Matt, should come out with well, Botox Bermuda. I think that'd be great. But okay, Ryan, the green Ryan, year-round thing. Let's talk about that. Go ahead, Ray. Go. Okay, was Ryan. I'm going to kind of like cut to that green all year part because if I had to deal with turf grass in a place like St. Louis, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is is that uh, I think I'd make it a little easier on myself and. Do something like Lomo Bermuda, and then for the parts of the year where the Bermuda is not naturally green, I would just spray paint that some bitch and and just go with it. <laughs> you would fake okay, natty. I'm, because yeah, I would paint it yeah, for yeah, sure. Fake, fake, fake natty. Fake I natty. mean, and by and by the way, that whole mm-hmm. fake natty thing, 
Uh-oh. grinds my gears. Uh-oh. That shit grinds my gears because it is no more fake natty than someone driving grass to be beyond green with all of this bionite and uh, humic and uh, kelp and God knows what else. I mean, to me, that's all the same. I mean, so it doesn't matter to me. You can't point to one thing and say, oh, that's being a faint natty, yet you're doing the exact opposite. And in my case, I look at the environmental impact of over-applying and overusing all that crap on the turf grass versus just a little why. paint. Starts with why, ends with why. Ooh. Sorry, Ray, I did not intend to trigger you. Um. Uh, okay. <laughs> None in- <laughs> Apology so, accepted. Let, 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 <laughs> so let's get mad up to speed. We, we were just kind of going through the fact that, you know, Brandon was one of the OG guests and that uh, he, he likened it. I thought this was apt, and, and this is going to make zero sense to you because, again, after uh, you watched Step Brothers a few weeks back, you've crawled back under your rock, that he said that this uh, was very much like his first time was like the uh, the pilot episode of The Sopranos, which looked nothing like and sort of feels nothing like what it is now, but you can see the bones of what was there. And so he's uh, he's very proud to be our repeat guest. And we were talking about the fact that he uh, was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go and growing uh, Kentucky bluegrass there in St. Louis. And, well, I, I, listen, I, I ha- okay, here's, here's what I'm curious of. And you see all the pictures, you hear about the pros, the cons, this and that. And you still need to kind of tell some of the pros, but to kind of lay that down for us, the pros, and then I'd just like to hear, like, if you could give yourself a, you know, a, a 1 to 10 score, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest, of just how you think you did in terms of the results that you had. Not the, you know, the effort time, all that kind of stuff, because I think you learned a lot, but hang, your pros and, hang on, and your 1 let to me, 10. Let me stroke you a little bit here, too, and just say that... Um, I, I I guess let, let me let me let me put it this way. It is what the majority of what we see on the internet when we're when we're looking at these nice lawns is from this time of year, right? Everybody is real quick to show everything off, you know, from April first through you know uh, June fifteenth. You know, I mean, it's just bombarded, and you see all these pictures, and everything is on point, and it's just beautiful, and life is great. And then by the time the 4th of July rolls around, there's about a quarter of those people left. And typically they're in like northern Illinois, northern Michigan, central Michigan, uh, Minneapolis, uh, uh, the, the state of Washington, Oregon, Seattle. You know, you, that's, that's where you're still seeing a lot of Utah. And, um, and then, you know, by the time August rolls around, there's like a, a tenth of a percent of what was originally there. And, and now you're into like, again, northern Michigan. You know, all these Maine and and everybody else is blown out, you know, because you've 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 surpassed the genetic limit of the plant. And then you're really relying on, you know, the 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 skills and tools and equipment and budget you have as a turf manager in order to keep that going. Right. And if you don't have all of those things, then it's you're literally throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping for the best because 
you know, you may know, you may have the knowledge, like, you know, I, I need to be on this kind of, of prevention program. You know, I need, to be, I need to be spraying phosphate every two weeks. I need to have exteris going out, uh, you know, on, on 28 day intervals. They're like, but I can't exactly swing a grand a month right now, you know, kind of sort of deal. Like that doesn't <laughs> fit into my business model. That doesn't fit into my budget. It doesn't fit into my plan or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, it's all, it's all kind of for moot. So, I just bring it up to say, don't beat yourself up uh, too much on it because, and, and for everybody else out there that is, you know, looking at their attempt at growing uh, Kentucky bluegrass right now, and they're all gung ho about it and they're super fired up. And then I'm just warning you that the 4th of July is going to roll around and then July 15th and then August 1st is going to roll around and you're going to want to jump through glass, really brittle glass in hope that a large pane of it falls across the back of your neck. And, uh, and that's not an appropriate response to that. It, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's the nature of, of growing grass in general. You're going to have good times and bad times. And so I think it parlays exactly into what Ryan was asking you here, you know, good, throw us some grades out there. Yeah. Ryan uh, warned me this was going to happen. Right. And you guys mentioned it too, right? Everyone loves to be show- gentle. You try. You tried to really kind of. I was like, I was. I did it in a dad way. I was like, listen, yeah, son. You know, son. I, I. I don't know that this is going to be a good idea, but you know what? You go on and do that. I think. You, I think it'll be a good learning experience for you. And you know, I, and I don't think you failed. I don't think you failed at all. So I'm curious to hear. <laughs> no, I don't think thinks. I failed at all. Um, I th- you know, you definitely learned some things, and, and you mentioned it too. Matt talked about everyone showing their lawns, you know, peak season, and then those pictures are just recycled on social media throughout the rest of the year until fall comes around and everything's all good. Right. Um, I try to be more transparent and I want, you know, part of the process was showing, you know, here's the good, but man, when it's bad, it's bad. This is what it looks like when, when things get bad. And, and I showed all of that, but there it is. There it is. There's summer. Mm. That is some, that is some wicked summer patch. Yeah. That's about so, what I would we'll, expect to see. That's a whole other thing. We'll get to that in just a, just a minute. Oh, def- um, definitely. But the pros, you know, pr- nobody has real mode cool season grass here. So when, I mean, when people who pay attention to lawns drive by and they lock their brakes up in front of your house and throw it in <laughs> reverse to come ask you what in the fuck is going on in your front yard, that's a pro, right? Um, it's kind of, you know, you like people to tell you, hey, man, that looks great. You're doing a good job. It looks better than the golf course we just played at. Well, you know, hey, the golf course has got a hundred acres of turf. I've got this, you're looking at three thousand square feet, brother. We can't really uh, compare apples to apples here. <laughs> um, the cons is, uh, well, you know, if you just plant the right grass in the right place, you you won't have any cons. And uh, I certainly didn't do that. So the management of it through July and August was definitely the biggest con. Uh, the learning curve for managing grass type that I had never managed before, especially under the mowing conditions and the stresses I was putting it under was definitely one of the cons. Um, one of my biggest mistakes I made, it wasn't just with the, the growth regulators and the DMI fungicides, but it was also applying fungicides in the way that is going to be appropriate for the types of fungus you're going to see with, so like with Kentucky bluegrass, right? Root, root pathogens are a big deal with summer patch. I was applying um, in a rotation of three, 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 six, uh, yeah. allegedly some Mancazeb and, uh, some, uh, some Armada, but I, but I was not, you were spraying your trees and shrubs, any of those in, <laughs> I wasn't applying, you know, so when you apply the Armada, you got to water it in for it to get down to the roots to help with the root path. I wasn't doing, 
I was spraying the leaf blades, calling it a day. And uh, that's where mm-hmm. I, that's where the snafu happened with the reborn pathogen. So that's when the, when the summer patch got me, it was too late. It was like quicksand. Yeah, and I, I think that's like a, uh, uh, I like it, to, you know, you're, you're a chef in the kitchen, right? And you got to know, like, how to use the ingredients you have, all that kind of stuff. You know, we use those analogies sometimes. And it's like, well, um, you can you can whip something up that's nice and tasty and everything like this, but if it's going to give you food poisoning later because you didn't know how to prepare it right or something like that, it's pretty much useless. Like, a good recipe doesn't do anything for you. And it's I a think custard. It's, it's runny, but it's a custard. <laughs> <laughs> it's creme fraiche. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, creme fraiche. Creme fraiche. it's the ovary yeah, from yeah. Fugu. Matt, it's the ovary from Fugu. <laughs> there. there was a little bit of discussion in the in the chat. And, and I wanted to point out something John Cruz said, because he asked what the Cardinals and the Royals are doing, of course. They're both playing on bluegrass. The Chiefs play on Bermuda. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing I learned about what the Cardinals are doing with their bluegrass uh, this is after the fact. I sent some e- e- emails to the to the grounds crew. Bill Finley finally responded to me, uh, which I was shocked because I know he's probably working 100 hours a week trying to maintain that turf. Um, but uh, one thing he shared with me, because I, I, sh- I shared some pictures of my lawn, said, hey, I'm doing this in St. Louis. Um, you know, what what kind of tips would you give me? And, and I, I'm sure he sat there for Maybe he smoked a cigarette if he smoked cigarettes. Maybe maybe he drank a few beers before he responded. But he, he basically told me what I have is irrigation chilled to 41 degrees Fahrenheit. I also have the best sand that money can possibly buy. And I resod this field four times a year. Um, so that's how we're doing it. Obviously, when people look at a stadium, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you shared you shared this with uh, household leadership, correct? And and <laughs> made them understand that okay, hey, listen, we're we're on board with that whole Cardinals idea. I'd just you know, like to talk to you about the uh, the kids' college funds and uh, how they're not going to have them. Exactly. Well, so that was, was the. Uh... Go ahead, Ray. And short of, and short of the irrigation system, uh, I literally had uh, Timmy Bluegrass top dressing his lawn with ice every day <laughs> he was doing yeah, it. <laughs> so it it is uh it, it, you know anybody who looks at at stadium environments and especially more and more and like you know brandon you sent those pictures over yesterday of uh the st louis mls field being built right and that i mean literally for a hundred thousand square foot uh stand of grass easily four million dollars into that field in terms of uh root zone materials turf and all the technology right that goes into them having the ability just the chance to grow good grass right and if you i i can't share you know especially here in a public setting but some of the stuff that goes on to to make this all happen number one uh, those guys and gals are just off the charts insanely good at what they do and like you're saying, they're given every possible resource to make it happen. And, you know, to liken that or try to equate yourself, it's like, uh, you know, looking at magazines and, and trying to say, well, hey, I'm going to base my self-worth on, you know, the, the models and stuff I see in magazines. It's not, it's not a very healthy thing to do, right, uh, for a lot of reasons. And so, again, I, I think the, uh, 
you know, hearing you go through it, and like like I said at the top of the show, is that I just respect the hell out of that you're showing the true journey, and that it ain't easy. Number one, number two, there ain't a whole lot of people that skate an entire year without losing some turf. Like it's just it's not the way it goes. Right. So, uh, and last thing is you know something i think i can't remember if i said it on on your show originally but i know I, I i say it all the time is like listen you tell me about the three four months out of the year that you are okay with your lawn looking like shit and i will tell you which grass to grow based on your location simple as that it's just we did have that conversation yeah you, yeah. you basically told me you know i was talking about different grass types and you said you just pick a grass type and i'll tell you what four months out of the year is going to look like and, and yeah, that's because it that's it's, it's, that's the reality of it yeah. And, and, and so you can, you know, you can manage and, and, and really this is the truth is that you can manage to the yeah. four of the, uh, you know, the four other months, right? So you usually got two months on either side of that, uh, that, you know, bomb four months right in the middle there, but the two months that are the shoulder seasons or whatever, you can manage to any one of those different periods, right? Any one of those different trimesters, right? Within the year and make it so, so, you know, you've got folks that have picked the wrong grass and are trying to grow, you know, uh, Bermuda grass in Ohio, I've got four good months. I manage for those four months and the two months on the back end of it. That's it. Rest of the time, I accept that it's going to look not so great. But And you work it's, all year to get it to look like that for those few months. And that's, that's exactly that right. Escapes a lot of people as they don't, they don't understand that. Right. And so, uh, yeah, to your point, I get it to, uh, you know, you've got one to ten, and then just above that, in uh, Matt Martin's world, you have Chuchin, and I try to get to Chuchin as best as I can. So that's the, and they actually took the 11 off all the amplifier knobs right there, PV and the Marshall stacks, Matt, and it now just says Chuchin. So, you know, <laughs> that's next time you hear Slash do a solo oh, yeah. or something, you know, or whatever. That's it. Chooching. Chooching. All right. So here we come. 2022. Yeah, it should. It really should. Uh, 2022. Uh, we're, we're getting into it. And, uh, you know, yeah, I see a lot of the same things you guys do. People showing their lawns and, and, and getting all excited. Hey, listen, I, I've said this before, too. My dead grandmother could grow grass right now until Memorial Day. Right. After that. You need a professional or somebody who really knows what they're doing. And, you know, I think that's when uh, everybody else goes into the mode that they simply become a uh, a billboard, right, uh, or something like that. You know, it's really uh, it's really unfortunate when people just, uh, you know, just promote shamelessly, you know, things like, uh, you know, the products that they want to sell and everything like that. It's just terrible. It's awful. So... Uh, <laughs> By the way, this message you know, brought to you by. Yeah, just wearing this for my wearing this for my. I'm going to that tonight. to that anchor voice you were talking about. Actually, I've been told by a, by an employer that I have a news anchor voice in a small market. So that that's a uh, that's a compliment. <laughs> it's a feather in my yeah. cap that I carry with me. You have a uh, mid to large size college town NPR voice. I'll go that. I'll go as far as to say I that. I think I think that's my niche. You, yeah, I think, yeah, sports, you, sports radio. I mean, you you sound you sound totally like the the, 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 the the afternoon show on the drive home. You're coming on and you're giving us the updates on everything going on. 
okay, so 2022, we're rolling into it. Uh, so first, let's talk about the. I want to hear about the lawn plan. You know, addressing the challenges that you know that you have. Maybe trying to foresee a little bit better what might come up now that we start tinkering with stuff, and then the last part, which you know we'll, we'll get to here in a little bit, but is more so the the social media aspect because I know that's a big thing for you is the content creation and how you're going to share it, what you've learned there, and, and if anything changes there, and kind of preview that for folks of what's coming up. So the lawn plan this year, uh, obviously the summer patch is a huge concern. So why don't we break that down first? So you talked a little bit about fungicide choices and specifically uh, the application methods of said fungicides. So what in your reflecting of last year's program and everything like that, like what's going to change this year and what do you still have questions, if any, about uh, specifically related to the fungicide program and even more specifically about summer patch? Well, so, well, there's a few things I've done differently so far this year than I did going into, you know, this, this season last year. We talked a lot about when I went ahead my soil test about the estimated nitrogen returns I'm going to see from the ENR mm-hmm. that I had in my soil test. I think I was a 4.3. Um, wow. Yeah, 4.3. And so, wow. obviously, right when um, when when the when the when the heat got chuchin, as as we'll say. Uh, you know, right. I was going to have a lot of nitrogen returns right in the middle of the summer, and I, and I was pushing a grow in, right? So I was loading up with nitrogen, trying to get this thing to grow in. Bad idea, um, which I think led to some of the issues. So I've really, I've really pulled back uh, a lot on the inputs. Um, and, and thank you, love my lawn. I appreciate that. Uh, I've pulled back on the inputs quite a bit, and um, you know, I'm. I'm Kind of, kind of observe and see what kind of changes that uh, you know I see just from you know backing off of of nitrogen inputs. I think at, at this point of the year, I've got less than a quarter pound of nitrogen on the lawn so far, uh, and wow. um, it's it's actually looking really good. So I, I'm not going to even mess with it. Soil temperatures are getting to the point now where I need to start considering some some windows for fungicide application. So. Um, you know, Ryan, let's let's pretend you live in St. Louis. You have a low-cut Kentucky bluegrass lawn. Soil temperatures are somewhere between 65 and 70 degrees, or at least getting there to that point. And um, you've got a decision to make. You need to treat for some of these root pathogens. What are you going to go with? So I'm definitely going to look at a, a tank mix that has both a strobe and a DMI in it, right? Uh, and, you know, as far as what's better than the other, I'd have to go look at the most recent research and kind of see of, if there's if there's really been any discernible difference, I know here in uh, Ohio and the pathologists that we have here, they will tell you that it's sort of what you have on the shelf for the most part in the, in the sense of a DMI, and then particularly a Zoxystrobin are going to be sort of your best bets, right, to get down. So you make that initial app. Uh, the the critical factor here is going to be checking your soil temps, and that 65 mark is really your critical value. So that's at a two-inch depth, and one of the, one of the things that uh, I would, if you haven't looked into it, so probably the two preeminent, uh, well, I'll just say the preeminent institution as far as research on summer patch goes is by far and away Rutgers. Uh, Bruce Clark, there are turf pathologists who just recently retired from there, literally wrote the book on that in Anthracnose. So I'd highly encourage you to go look through 
uh, every year they do their field day and they have the Rutgers turf grass proceedings, which they publish in a PDF format. Fantastic. Uh, just shitloads of data, shitloads of some raw data and some interpretations and showing uh, efficacy trials and things like that. And so you'll get to understand that a little bit better. They, they actually do a fair bit of work too on lawns, right? So uh, another person uh, in particular who uh, was at Rutgers for a time and did his, uh, some of his postgraduate work there, actually also an Ohio State guy, is John Inguagiato. John is uh, a turfgrass pathologist and uh, uh, professor at uh, UConn now. Uh, so John has a, a really unique understanding of that whole early timing factor. And one of the things that he would say is, uh, again, that 65-degree mark and checking that basically about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, sometime that, between that 2 and 4 when you're at peak soil temperature. So you're really getting as precise as you possibly can. I know that's tough if you have a day job and you can't get there and do that. And I know it's a little bit easier for you than some others, but, you know, don't break your back, but that's kind of where you want to be. So you get to that that mark for about three days straight. That's your trigger to make that application. And this spring here has been exceedingly difficult because at least here in Ohio, and I don't know what it's been like in St. Louis, we've been fluctuating like really close to that 60 to 65 mark and just, you know, waffling back and forth. And so it's back down right now. And I think a bunch of people are going to get burned. A spring like this one here, at least in the upper part of the Midwest, is is, is a tough one for a lot of these early season timings uh, when we come down to fungicides and even herbicides to a certain extent. So back to the summer patch thing. So if you can mix those two, make that first app, make sure that you water it in uh, quickly. Uh, there's some good work out of NC State just recently where they're looking at um, you know, pesticide, not fate necessarily, but absorption into the plant, like through the root system and when they irrigate. Immediately after application, I think they went like 15 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, and like four hours. In the the difference, right, in uptake, and I can't remember the uh, the quantification there, but massive difference in between uh, immediately making that application of water, right, and getting uh, irrigated in versus waiting, right. So uh, the 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 trick there again is every every yard or turf system is different, so you want to make sure that you get enough water down to get it into the root zone, but you don't want to push it past, and you also don't want to pussyfoot around and just let it hang up in the thatch, so. That those are other considerations, and again, points of failure. Um, I can tell you, you know, we would spray for this is back in my golf course days, but spray for uh, summer patch on like the uh, shortcut rough right up around the greens, right? Areas that were high compaction, high traffic, you know, primed for summer patch development. And what we found is that we'd have to actually go out and aerate, right? So do aerification uh, prior to just ahead of that, just to get the fungicide down into the soil profile. We get smoked every year. We tried it on a couple holes. Miraculously, those worked. Everything else got absolutely riddled with it, even though we spent an ungodly amount of, on fungicide. And so, like you said, you live and you learn. So if you make that yep. first application, you're going to follow that up four days or four weeks later, right, with another application, same timing. And then here's the unfortunate part about root-borne pathogens is uh, – you got to wait and hope <laughs> there's no, you know, it, 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 when you uh, get down to it, I think you start to understand and the weather conditions that you're going to most likely see it in number one. And so you can start really looking closely at your turf and what's going on. Um, and, it, you know, situation it's here and it's already affecting us, man. Like anything you spray on it, it is, 
it's a, it's a fungus stat at that point. You know, people people always think fungicide. Well, it's going to knock it down. It's going to clear it up, and everything's going to get better. No, it, it's just literally going to stop it from getting much worse, provided you can get that to the target site. And so, this is one of the hardest diseases I think to nail because the latency between when it starts to manifest itself and when you actually see signs and symptoms is so long. You don't know if you're right. Or, you know, you don't know heads or tails until it's too late. That's the unfortunate part. So, you know, okay. we'll talk, we can talk a little bit about the cultural things that you can do to manage it as well. But on the fungicide piece, it, that's where I'd be looking at is the, uh, the DMI and the stribularin. So I've verbal diarrhea enough. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know. And also appropriate spray volume too. That's another thing is you really need to be at two, two gallons per thousand or north of that uh, for sure. So don't discount that uh, nozzle droplet size. Don't get it hung up. On the turf, try to get it down in there as quickly as you can. And if you're going to irrigate, it really doesn't matter. But uh, that two gallons is going to be critical to making sure that you have adequate coverage. It's, Gentlemen, it's, what do you think? Uh, because I don't, I, I, I've ever had to deal with before. So um, that's why I'm kind of listening like a child in class. Uh, and I, I was going to ask, and I only ask this because it's I've I've only seen it around. I've never been able to to really play around with this because I have no Kentucky bluegrass to play around with. But have you tried in combination with what you were currently doing? Did you play around with playing it? Sorry, you cut out right when you have I tried what manganese sulfate? I have not. That was going to be my cultural thing. Yeah. So, uh, do we have a soil test? Not for this year. I didn't do a soil test this year. I don't do one every year. I do it every other year or every two years. Okay. Okay. Well, in part two, I didn't want you to beat me up over the the Melorganite thing again. So, (laughs) (laughs) listen, I had forgotten all about it until you mentioned it again. And like I like I said on last week's episode, ass boy. I'm a boiling pot of rage, and I'm about to explode. Like that's now. It's about to happen now again. Um, no, I okay. I didn't do one. My you know my pH is always you know the last few years has been you know been between six point six and seven. Um, I know you know miners. We all, I mean we talked about it at length last year, and I just kind of came to the conclusion I really don't need to do it. Just manage mm-hmm. it uh, and try to manage the phosphorus down was really the only takeaway from it. So. I figure mm-hmm. every, every few years it'd probably be good to, to kind of just make sure that, uh, you know, those are coming down and then two that make sure the pH is still, um, you know, somewhere between a six and a seven. So uh, I, I don't yeah, really, I think when I, when I see people do multiple soil tests in a year, I always wonder well, why, or why are you doing that? You know, what's, uh, what's the point? Of multiple- I, I the only too. thing I can, the only thing I can see that being useful in is in, if you're 90 or more percent sand, and things can change quickly and you have the ability to change things quickly from a resources standpoint then touche that's the but that uh, you're we're talking i don't know two percent of the uh turf growing public here maybe i don't know so it, 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 you're you're fine what are you gonna say ray yeah, you, yeah you're you're fine and uh to add to that whole, uh, you know, circling back to the summer patch thing, make note that the strobilurin fungicides and the DMIs, 
when it comes to a patch disease, those are entirely preventative. And if you did need to make a reactive or curative application for a patch disease, you would actually be looking at 3336. Mm. So, however, 3336 at current legal labeled rates is not a very efficacious preventative for patch diseases. Hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, in, that's, it, it's just, yeah. uh, and, and that is something that I've found through years of experience because I have people telling me, oh, but I, uh, Put down, say, hmm, I don't know, headway or uh, or armada, but I already have the patches forming. And I say, well, your time to have applied that was literally about a month and a half ago. You're a bit late. Now you're mm. into, you know, when you actually see summer patch, or its relative NRS, also known as necrotic ring spot, you are literally looking at Cleary 3336. And mm -hmm. with Cleary 3336, you are watering in that application yesterday. You are not letting it irrigate in the next morning or, you know, the next uh, week or whatever. No, you are watering that in right now. Yeah, and and if, so, if, go ahead. If you Hell hope to, yeah. you know to even get any uh, efficacy out of that application, fucking <laughs> <laughs> Derek. Derek is literally. We're we're not even on the main stage of the strip club. Derek is literally on the side stage right now, throwing five dollar bills at our g strings. Thank you, Derek. We love you. Uh, <laughs> so okay, uh, a few things here. A, a few other cultural things to think about too. So. You know, um, soil compaction can definitely uh, have uh, an effect on this in terms of just overall root health, right? So uh, once we get into, you know, that that whole disease triangle, go ahead, Brett, go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, Demay, and, uh, you know, Johnny Fescue asked is, are, are there negatives to too low uh, nitrogen levels on, on bluegrass? So, you know, and this is reference back to uh, Brandon saying, you know, he's run a quarter pound of N. You know, are is is are you opening up the door, say, for like increased dollar spot pressure by doing that, or, um, you know, are there any kind of secondary effects that go along with it? So, you know, dollar spot and rust are the two that you know jump out. Maybe red thread a little bit. Uh, those would be the ones that would be most consequential to too low of N. Like for instance, like a dollar spot, we know that if our tissue levels of N, which in a textbook should be at six percent in real life you're somewhere between four and five, right? We know that if we fall below that 4% range uh, or 4% value, that the incidence of dollar spot increases dramatically at that point. So, you know, that's a function of, uh, you know, I think what Brandon was trying to say with those quarter pound shots was that his estimated nitrogen return from his soil test last year was through the fucking roof. I mean, it was high, right? So um, I, I think there he was just probably, probably, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but being a little cautious, right, on what you put out, because, you know, if your ENR is that high, 
and you're making applications, it's a lot easier to put more down than it is to be like, oh shit, I'm juiced and it's July and everything is rip roaring and we are, uh, we are chooching. Uh, we gotta, we gotta, we, we need to get a, a, a chooching drawing, uh, J Pink. Put does, that on the list. Does AVE have a chooching, uh, sticker? <laughs> is that an AVE thing? Yeah, so I I, I totally no, stole Chuching from AVE. Um, <laughs> so we're, gonna to, we're gonna owe him like seven dollars Canadian for royalties on this shit tonight. I, well, it. seven US, yeah. which is like seven thousand US uh, Canadian. That's dollars, a loony. So. The loony. Yeah, right? <laughs> loony, right? seven thousand loonies. Uh, but luckily, it's not too big of a hit on our wallet. We'll just so. buy him a. We'll buy him a case of. Michelob or not Michelob, but uh, Molson, Molson Triple X, Molson Triple. Oh, X. Y- y- you know he'd drink it. Yeah, you know he would oh. drink it for sure. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. The uh, th- those are the consequential things for the, the low end. I think Brandon was just trying to be mindful of that as he went. Yeah, through. And j- just to add to that too. So sure. when, you know, obviously, I was pushing, you know, kind of growing conditions again back in the fall, right? So I I was I probably applied two pounds of nitrogen between. Uh, mid-September and Thanksgiving. So I knew that I had really loaded the lawn up with nitrogen before uh, dorm- dormancy hit in. And I mean, it literally uh, came out of spring like Hulk Hogan ripping off a tank, like a teeth. You know what I mean? It's just like the bluegrass came out and it just came out <sighs> strong. And uh, I just didn't think it needed any inputs, you know? Um, so, I, you know, with all of those things considered, I was like, well, I'm just going to give it a little bit of ammonium sulfate. I gave it a quarter pound of ammonium sulfate like two weeks ago. And, um, you know, I don't really have any reservations about it, to be quite honest with you. Well, hey. I, yeah, I don't think that was a, an end management issue or anything like that. So the only other things, like these guys are saying, they're the I, I can't remember off the top of my head, and you'll find it in the Rutgers literature, but I do want to say it's somewhere in the 45 to 55 range, uh, parts per million, Malik 3, on the critical level of manganese uh, for summer patch incidents. So. You know, definitely taking a look at that, and yeah, manganese sulfate have they, is your friend. Have they correlated that to a uh, tissue level? I'm I'm curious. Like you know, like sometimes you'll hear uh, tissue uh, levels and in in response to dollar spot. I can't. I'm curious about I, manganese I and summer patch. Okay. Uh, you know, it's fascinating me... to me, right? Because how how many you you, you don't see a lot of uh, repeatable uh, data in regards to a specific nutrient inhibiting the development of disease right and, I, and that's why i get so hung up on this and i bring it up every damn time i know but it's fascinating to me because it's one of the few instances you hear about it with repeatability having an impact on on uh, on a disease like that now listen the oh. the uh the one part of me wants to say uh, i'll look it up and i'll get back to you but the other part of me <laughs> wants to make a make up an answer and put out a seven minute youtube video on it and <laughs> see what kind Can of I do a whiteboard about wall. it we we can we can. It's actually the entire whiteboard is the chimpanzee shitting in its hand and throwing it at the wall. That's the whole video. Right there. Can we do the Wojak <laughs> meme where he's using the brain as a uh, as a as a litter box? <laughs> Matt explains manganese as a uh, fungicide, and the, the cat's just. You got, the buried. only way you can make this video is if you have your shirt off the entire time, please. <laughs> so I just All pulled right. up my soul test. And soul uh, test from soul, my soul test. test from last year. <laughs> did you get that done? I uh, uh, got that done down at Waypoint. They did the Malek 3 on there. And Malek uh, 3. I had 
I had the Malik three on there. I got seventy six <laughs> parts per million on the manganese. Oh God, you're really you're really letting your uh, inner redneck shine through here. Those are rookie numbers. Speaking of, uh, yeah, those are rookie numbers. Speaking of uh, people from the south that don't sound like rednecks, uh, I'd just like to acknowledge your hat and Not say being. hi to our say to our our friend John Ware at the Lawn Forum. Hi, thank you for yes. And, and, and strong shout out to the lawn forum and if anybody's Absolutely. in here and is looking for a place to, to 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 go hang out and learn and all that fun stuff you definitely check out the lawn um it's there's there's very few places like it on the internet um it, it reminds me of lawn site way back in the day where where's i originally found ray and uh, the lawn forum's how i found found ryan demay and uh it, it really is it's an it's an awesome place so yeah, definitely. Shout out to uh, uh, John Ware at, at all over at thelawnforum.com and the Lawn Forum Discord. Uh, uh, you can go to thelawndiscord.com and uh, play around in that space too. Boy, let me tell you that if if the Grass Factor Discord is the Wild Wild West, the Lawn Forum Discord is like <laughs> Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I had, a, I had a client that just told me they came back from Vegas and they were there over 4:20, and apparently some things happen out there on that day. That uh, what happens on that day? I can't say on this stream, but I will tell you <laughs> when we go to the after show because I was even shocked about some of the stuff that was like just normal. So anyway, okay. So the the manganese thing, and then uh, the pH uh, pH thing, you know, and this is not speaking directly to you, but I think using acidifying fertilizers like an ammonium sulfate. Uh, I don't think you need any uh, phosphorus based on, you know, past practices. So we're good there. You know, if you did, I would, you know, recommend MAP over DAP if you really had to, but you could, you could get by with DAP too. Um, yeah. You know, phosphorus so again, trying... at, uh, I'm sorry, potassium was at 135 parts per million, which is also low. Um, and uh, I've been mm. trying to remedy that with, uh, some, Sorry. some sulfate of potage, some zero zero fifty, uh, zero like fifty twice, yep. uh, twice in the spring, That's twice fine. in the fall. Try and get those rookie numbers up a little bit. That's fine. I wouldn't That's consider fine. that low, by the way. Well, this uh, bar graph does, and, and oh, I only up. look at the bar oh, graph. Oh boy, here we go. Dems fighting words. Another oh, yeah. thing, we're gonna have to put out another PSA right now. Do not look at the bar graphs on your soil test and take it as gospel as far as what is low and what is not low. That's not how this works. Because what's funny, what's funny is if you get a soil test from Penn State versus one from oh, insert random lab here, Waters Ag, for instance, you're gonna have approximately the same parts per million value. Uh, but two wild ass different K recommendations according to as far as what's considered an appropriate level. Is it Penn State still up there like two fifty or something? All their stuff is is what it is. Uh, you know, hey, it's you guys high. Your numbers. It's high. It is high. But hey, uh, I guess they're not wrong, right? Something like that. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I would think you know, Michael Woods would probably fight about it. Hey, I mean, he wouldn't. 
but I'm just looking at some links here. Go ahead. I, I know it's it's coming through too here, and I'm just going to share this one. This is from uh, UMass that talks a little bit about uh, manganese sulfate at a rate of two pounds per acre in the spring, uh, and the uh, uh, management cultural management of uh, 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 Kentucky bluegrass and uh, summer patch. So pretty interesting here. Look at what what have you got here, Demay? What? What is this? This is the turfgrass proceedings. This is their annual conference that they have, and then they do some great oh. write-ups every year talking about they, – they really dive deep on the chemistry side, right, and sure. show you different programs and, and things like that. But the whole point is you run down through here and get to the data oh, tables. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. There's – you know, you can really start to look at, you know, some of the differences, right, in – some of the experimental treatments versus uh, the branded agency products, things like that. So there is uh, a absolute shit ton of data in here to unpack. And I don't know uh, with Bruce retiring over there, I'm not sure what the succession plan, but like Bruce was one of the top two, three uh, turf pathologists in the country, if not the world. So, you know that's that's a big deal for them to to see him go. I'm sure he'll be still involved in some ways, uh, but do you, it's, uh, yeah. Do you have an irrigation system? I do. Okay. Do you know the pH of your water coming out of your oh, irrigation that's a system? Great question. No idea. I, no I'm just, get... and this is me throwing due to handfuls of doo doo at the wall. I have no idea if this factors into any of it. Um, you but I would be curious if, you know, I, I, I'm putting it out for discussion, actually, because I, I, I have no idea. Uh, is it possible that high pH irrigation water may increase disease severity of summer patch in Kentucky bluegrass? It would have to be some really hard ass water. I don't know. Ray, what do you what do you think in terms of and I don't want to speak too much on like the what would be a irrigation water situation especially a domestic water right because brandon here's got city water its ability to influence ph in such a way that it's going to move it say multiple tenths of a point which you know if in some in some cases that's just called you know the way it goes in other cases that's the uh my soul margin of error okay the factor there would be, let me ask you another question. How hard is your water? I don't have, we don't have any hard water issues. Um, okay. So then if remember. you don't have any, if you don't have any hard water issues, then that is where I don't see your irrigation water as having a negative influence. Conversely, if somebody tells me that their water is hard, there's a lot of calcium and magnesium coming out of their, you know, municipal water supply, then I would start to look at that and think, is that water coming out of their irrigation tilting the soil pH towards the basic side of things or the alkaline side? And I, I hear this all the time from people, by the way, where 
they told me when they water, it keeps the grass alive. But if it rains, the grass is a lot greener and healthier. And all I have to do is look at their water. And of course, it's the, the grass will respond better to rainwater because the water that they're watering with is full of alkalinity and salts. Because that's the problem that I have here in Hawaii, by the way. Our tap water is full of alkalinity and salt. What is considered high alkalinity? Um, so I'm looking at St. Louis water quality report right here. And the average level detected pH is uh, 9.4. Um, they quantify their acceptable range as 8.3 to 10. Um, as far as their calcium levels, 31.4. Uh, mm -hmm. parts per million hardness total as CaCO3 calcium carbonate as 140 parts per million um, low iron uh, you know none none detected as far as iron is concerned but um, and a, a non carbonate hardness as uh, 89 parts per million so to, I mean to be it total to a TDS of uh, uh, 288 that would be considered rather hard actually be considered kind of hard water right and, it, and it's it, and this could be one of those situations too where you may not see it because you don't have a lot of iron in your water and therefore it's not leaving you know it may leave like scale or whatever but it's not it's not leaving that the, those red smears like i've got a lot of iron in my water and it's you know it's very obvious you see it right you see iron stains uh where, where you know a shower drips or something right and you're like damn it man you know grabbing the that's it to get it off kind of thing. So it could be one of those things. So now that I see this, and I, I don't know if you're in St. Louis proper, and that's where this pull from, and I'll, I'll actually share it with uh, with you, Jay Pink, here so so you can throw this up. But, not, I mean, that, to me, that's a high pH, and I'll, I'll go ahead and ask the question again. Do you think a pH, and we'll, we'll assume this is accurate in, in Brandon's area, um, Jay, JPEG, if you go to the one in 2019 right there, that is the, the latest one they have published. Um, and then if you search this by calcium, uh, you'll get to the, uh, to the monitoring page. There you go. And then as you scroll down, you can kind of see everything here. And then the chart just below this is where you'll see pH at, uh, a 9.42 was the average level detected. Now I'll ask the question again, is this. Could this be a contributing factor to proliferation of summer patch? I'm going to say again, I don't know, but you know, <laughs> if you, if you, uh, you know, would simply uh, water every day for 10 minutes, like my uh, YouTube video says, and if you'd buy this uh, Heritage G fungicide and some magic cow <laughs> do all those things i think it'll be fine i mean that's just me as a golf course lawn professional saying that what do i really Hell yeah. <laughs> couldn't have timed it up any better i love you derek Eat it up. yeah i'm I, I wore you know i wore my uh form-fitting g-string tonight so those fives are starting to get packed in they're pretty tight be careful man <laughs> I will test the pH of the water. You know, I really don't think we have at least, I don't know, I could just. You say that, and you know what? You're jinxing yourself because it's going to come back. It's going to be like 8.8. .8, oh, my. And you're going to be like. We need to go get a salt. Yeah, we, 
Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, 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 I really don't know. Yeah, tell you, yeah. what, are, honey, honey, what is that? Oh, that's the uh, sulfur burner that I'm going to put in the basement. No big deal. <laughs> totally fine. Most most homes around here have been doing this because it ups the resale value. You see, uh, I actually I saw it on HGTV last weekend, and uh, you know, yeah, I mean, well, it, it uh, seems or else, totally logical. Or else, uh, alternatively, imagine the. 250 gallon tote right next to the backflow a dosatron <laughs> and that tote is full of 50 percent liquid sulfuric acid it'd be a great it's a great uh it's a great thing you know with, with the, that the kids can share someday yeah we used to do chemistry experiments in the backyard with dad's tote of sulfuric acid it was great <laughs> do not put the garden hose in the tote of sulfuric acid please we didn't, we didn't even need a hood because please. we were outside right remember don't sniff always waft <laughs> so then okay let's talk about the manganese sulfate yes. thing, you know <laughs> moving right along Wait, that was a very that was good there. That, that was a great that was a fantastic look at that you know he went. You know what he did right there. That was an that was a TV anchor move. He's he's switching over to TV. He went from camera one to camera two. To camera two. Learned that. That was right. him right there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, All right. And let's another great question. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go no, 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 and Total, it depends yes. on the chemistry, right? Like, for instance, sulfonylureas are going to enjoy high pHs, uh, extend the life of high pHs, and that could be too detriment a la metsulfuron methyl, for instance. Um, and then in the uh, on the flip side of thing, uh, things like um, uh, synthetic auxins are not going to enjoy uh, high pHs, and, uh, uh, and and you'll have a, a lower uh, tank life out of whatever it is you mix so you know if you mix for one day and you expect to save it for a month and come back and spray it again and you're going to see you know horrific uh efficacy out of that product compared to where you were when you started now and and, and there's a lot of nuance here right and i have seen some presentations uh specifically on this and you know so i'd say if you enter the google sphere um uh you know something along the lines of like uh fungicide uh tank ph efficacy or something like that then you're going to come across some of these presentations i've seen at various schools that they give that'll show on a chart that you know at a ph of eight um you know the half-life of the fungicide is 12 hours at a ph of nine the half-life of the fungicide is 30 minutes right so uh, it can be quite significant now there's there's going to be some that are quite tolerant of it as well too so it varies by active ingredient and the frustrating part about that is that there's not a lot of information on labels specific to that, and so really it's up to um, it's up to you to 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 sniff that out, um, and it's, oftentimes it's not easy to do. There's just not a lot of data out there that's easily accessible about it. Actually, Matt, for a lot of the products, and funny thing is, is that especially the older products. They often warn about putting the product into either an acidic or an alkaline solution. They'll warn about it. And yeah. me being kind of an old timer, 
I became rather aware of it because for a lot of the older chemistry, for example, the older chemistry was extremely sensitive to this phenomena called alkaline hydrolysis. Yes. And yes. Al and alkaline hydrolysis means that if you throw that into water with a pH over seven, your half-life of that active ingredient can be measured in minutes. Mm -hmm. And when I say minutes, I'm not kidding in that. That can mean where, say, you go to your barn and you stir up uh, you know, a tank of this stuff, and by the time you get it out to where you're going to spray it, because your water pH was over seven, by the time you get to where you're going to actually spray it, that tank mix is essentially garbage. And it does no good. And uh, of note, the fungicide that is probably the most sensitive to alkaline hydrolysis is 3336. Mm. The Did not know that. DMI, the DMIs and the uh, strobilurins are less sensitive, but 3336 definitely has an issue with alkaline hydrolysis. Son of a bitch. All right, so what was the question? What was the re the, the question related to, uh, oh, the uh, manganese sulfate. Let's let's dive down that rabbit hole quick. And I'll, I'll I was just throw this in the chat for people to look at. Go ahead, go ahead. I was more or less just going to ask, um, application timing for manganese sulfate. Say I was to go down to, I looked at uh, my local elevator. They have it there. I can go get it. Um, mm -hmm. It's very, very affordable. It's like uh, 25 mm -hmm. bucks for a 50-pound bag of that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I need that much. But what's application timing for something like that for you know someone in my position? I mean, I so, would be on. Go ahead. Uh, you guys go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, as, as, as far as everything I, I've read about it right now, it says in the spring. <laughs> you know, what a vague, what a vague ass answer that is. And I, again, I have no experience in this realm, so I, I, I don't know what in the spring means. What would you equate that to be, Demay? I mean, I would, I would have no qualms about running it right now at low rates, you know, biweekly. So, you know, talking like, uh, Oh, uh, kind of thing. I gotta go back and look at my notes on exactly, but I want to say like about a quarter pound or so, like something like small rates like that. Um, and every two to four weeks, um, you're you're just trying to go light and frequent with that, not sit there and carpet bomb the shit out of it. How's that? So fair enough. Don't uh, the stuff I'm looking at. Thirty. 32% manganese. Um, okay. The, so. and, 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 that's, and that's manganese uh, sulfate, the technical material powder. And so what you're going to be doing with that is the literature that I've read about that says apply, I think, two to four ounces per thousand square foot in adequate water and then irrigate afterward. And you keep on doing it and just keep on doing it and and what that is is that's just to slowly and gradually build up 
levels of manganese in the so in the soil and uh uh a little bit earlier you mentioned mankozeb one of my allegedly allegedly and for the roses okay for for the roses and the azaleas okay Mm -hmm. but here's why manko here's why mankozeb is very a very good product and in the 1990s and early 2000s i you know, used quite a bit of it on turf grass. But the reason why it was effective is the way Mancozeb was used in the old days was imagine applying eight ounces per thousand square foot of Mancozeb wettable powder every 14 days. And now that this information on manganese has come to life light i'm imagining that applying mancozeb in that fashion would reach the point and i've seen this for myself where i noticed after i want to say the fourth or fifth application like that guess what the grass is this ridiculous shade of green and no more disease So I think what you just said is if if I'm spraying the Mancozeb on the on the roses and the boxers <laughs> and what have you, and I get some spray mm-hmm. drift over into the turf, right? Um, <laughs> and I'm applying that with some of the manganese sulfate, that could potentially lead to less disease and better looking turf grass. Is that what you're saying, Ray? Yes, absolutely, okay. absolutely. I, just... I mean, the the areas that are that are next to the flower beds. I'd imagine that uh, they would have the least disease-prone turf because of that, you know, that Mancozeb overspray. Right. Because yeah, all that overspray, that drift, that <laughs> spraying the roof. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, again, uh, Mancozeb is, you know, I know that as zinc and manganese ethylene bis-dithylcarbamate. That's the actual chemical name of the, of the fungicide. And I'm imagining that zinc and manganese make up a significant portion of the molecular weight of that chemical. So you're essentially applying a lot of manganese and zinc when you, when you apply mancozeb, especially when you're going into the... Uh, I want to say the rose black spot or uh, azalea downy mildew rates. <laughs> so, jeez, um, jeez. So the uh, the only other thing I just went back and looked at my old notes from golf course days, and two pounds per acre, which is points just about point seven five dry ounces per thousand square feet. Uh, and doing that uh, as a two-app in the spring, and then we would check our levels. Like we would do our soil, we would do a soil test in middle of summer ish, right? And then uh, adjust if we needed to for fall. So just those two apps alone should be sufficient, and run with that and see what you get. So that fifty-pound bag is going to last you a while. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna buy a fifty pound bag. I, I've also yeah, you seen might go buy a five pound. pound. Yeah, some yeah. four pound bags. I think is probably gonna be sufficient. So yeah, we're good. That's go. the thing about the elevator is it's great, it's cheap, but uh, I gotta store all that shit. So I don't know what I'm gonna do with all these bags <laughs> <laughs> of things that they want to sell me. Put it next to the sulfuric acid, man. That's fine. <laughs> Strangely, yeah, yeah, you can actually pour it into your sulfuric acid as well. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a manganese sulfate. Safe. Yes, it'll, it'll dissolve. Yeah, and, no, and in fact, uh, in the old days, I was reading these old texts on uh, golf green maintenance, and get this one, Matt. They would be instructing people on making a tank mix of sulfuric acid, ferrous sulfate, and manganese sulfate. Yeah, that's uh, that's not for the faint of heart. If, if for anybody listening right now that gets this wild-ass idea that you want to start playing with uh, sulfuric acid, don't. Don't. Um, Adding don't, sulfuric acid don't. to water is very exothermic. Oh, okay. It gets yeah, super we're, hot. Yeah. You're you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. Are, don't even go down. Bull, that road. We are literally we are literally talking shit right now. We're, we're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. in yeah. fantasy yeah. world. We're making jokes. Please, seriously. This is our disclaimer to not do anything like that. Uh, you don't need to do that. It's not gonna help you more than it's gonna hurt you physically, mentally, spiritually, and uh Listen, Emotionally? You know, nobody's going to love you longer and harder than your hands, and you want to keep those and hang on to them as long as possible. So stay away from citric Yeah, stick acid. to citric acid, stick to acetic acid. You know, I would even stay away from glacial acetic acid. That can be, uh, that's brutal stuff too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, stay in that, that citric or, or dilute uh, acetic, and you'll be, you'll be just fine. Ah, you could even play with malic if you wanted to. A little malic acid in your body. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So what else? What else have we got here on? Uh, you know, from a fertility standpoint, cultural practices, mowing. Uh, what else? What else do we need to dive into here? What do you think? Some of the other buttons you're going to push this year to hopefully, uh, you know, crank it up another notch here coming into 2022. Raise that mowing height quite a bit. I think when we Where did first you, spoke, you, yeah, I started you're like half like, an inch. Half an inch between half three quarter inch, which was just asinine. <laughs> no one should ever do. Uh, nobody dude, should ever do that. Anybody uh, who's like anything, every anything below three quarters of an inch on bluegrass is just dumb. I'm sorry, but it's dumb. Um, it, it the okay, anything under three quarters of an inch on bluegrass ray is like somebody telling you that they're gonna mow Bermuda at like two inches or higher. It's just dumb. Okay, mm-hmm. so that, it's inversely. You know, inversely proportional there on the mowing heights between those two. Okay, so now what is it at? What are you like, uh, an inch I'm, or so? Or I'm what? over, I'm, I'm about an inch and a quarter right now. Uh, by I the think... way, it, this picture, <laughs> I love, I love the tree strip, the 50-50 tree strip. Oh, you like that? That's about the only way but, I can cut it. That's fucking gorgeous. I love it. It is. It looks Sorry. nice. Oh, this is just pure sex looking at it is serious. It is really burned in. Can we can we can we cut out the pure sex clip. wave of Ray? Can we clip that out? Because we need that as we need that as a button on the uh on the roadcast for sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. And we can slow it down. Can we slow it down? 
crank the bass up and turn the treble down. Like I, we can really play with this a little bit. <laughs> anyway, so go on. So the mowing height now is uh, you said around one inch. It's uh, it's about it's it's about one and a quarter. Um, depends okay, on what, what front what front roller I'm using on the trimmer. Um, but okay. uh, I think it looks the best at that mowing height, honestly. And uh, I mean the color, uh, just the way it responds, the, the amount of stress. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that factor into that, but that's that's about as low as I want to take it. That this picture is what it looks like today. This is this was taken last week, and uh, I think it's definitely peaking at this point. It looks nice as hell. There's no doubt about it, and uh, and you know as as it should this time of year, right? If it looked like garbage right now, there'd be major issues at play. Um, but I mean, damn, that, that yeah, I mean, looks really good. It does. It does. It looks and, good now. Just wait. <laughs> well, and and again, <laughs> I, this is just it, it, you know, it's a it's a slow drumbeat of doing all the right things in sequence and in cadence, you know, when you need to. And so I think the next step here is not getting too heavy handed with your growth regulators. I think, um, you know, lower rates, a little bit higher frequency, watch your growing degree days. I mean, that, that I can't overstate the importance of the research that Freuser et al. did uh, on, on that piece. And, People that are applying growth regulators now that are doing it without using that uh, as a as a guidepost are just well, it's more than just guessing. It's just it's damn near irresponsible because you can you know we've probably caused more harm than good um, by not doing that over the years. And I think I've told the story many many times where people were always like, oh, you know, start out at the label rate and then you got to crank that rate up. Like by midsummer, you got to crank it up even more, and it's like. You know, the self-fulfilling oh. prophecy of, man, turf looks kind of rough. Yeah, and now it won't grow either. And it's like, well, <laughs> not only not only have you, you know, completely shut it down, but you've also stacked these apps such that the, you know, the physiology of the plant is literally collapsing in front of your eyes, right, for no apparent reason, and you can't figure it out. So it, that's good stuff. So what, you know, from a PGR standpoint, what is the plan and what's the pivot this year? Knowing you got some of the DMIs going out, are you adding different fungicides into the program to kind of wean yourself off of some of those, you know, say uh, June, July, August DMI apps? Or what's the game plan as it relates to question. the PGR fungicide interaction? The, the game plan with the PGR is, a, is to follow the growing degree days, right? That's something I learned early on that, um, you know, that's something that you have to take as gospel. And um, in, in, when incorporating the, the fungicides into into that you know obviously you know i'm running it on the pgr at about 0.25 ounces per thousand or each totally 0.20 which uh i think label label rates are like 0.5 or 0.6 or something ridiculous um and label read and says you know run that rate every, every, every two weeks during during peak growth season right which I think <laughs> is taken literally and um it's definitely something i've learned the hard way to not do that. So the DMIs, I'm, I'm still running alongside the PGRs, but I'm backing off the PGRs quite a bit because the DMIs are are giving me some regulation. So you don't you don't need to run those in conjunction as as, as high as you normally would. So um, I'm going to keep running the fungicides at the full rate, and uh, if if I need the the regulators, I'm going to to run those at the lowest rate I possibly can, if I even use them at all. Um, 
if, according to the growing degree days, because we were way behind the growing degree days this year compared to last year. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really haven't had to dabble too much with those. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a slow spring, slow start to not get so crazy in those that we're, we're screwing ourselves over. So that's good. So what about the fungicide piece though? Like, is it something that you, are you going to buy some, some of the, the newer chemistry that gets yourself away from that? Or what, what do you see there as your answer going forward? Or is it just literally, Hey, I'm going to cut enough of the PGR out that I don't feel so bad about putting that DMI out there. And that's sort of the plan or, or, or what like, how do you, how do you make that value judgment between, okay, adjusting products versus adding new products? And I understand that there's an expense on the latter right. of those two options. So, so what how, I was going to tell you probably the former of that, you know, that as far as that approach, cause I've got quite a few in the rotation that I've already invested in, right? So I've got the 33, 36. I've got, um, I'm just going down the list here. I've got Armada, um, Manzate, and then uh, I've got some some Alliot too that I use for the for the brown patch. Oh, wow. The patch is really bad here. So, um, hmm. I've got a significant investment in those fungicides. And so I, uh, you know, I want to try and incorporate those, continue to use those in the plant, but use them in a way that is less destructive to the turf. So, um, <laughs> it's always, if, it's if I can always reduce the... <laughs> okay, Brandon. What is the? Uh, we, yeah, we we need to have that as a label, uh, a label edition. Ray, can we write to the EPA and say, uh, you know, here's the rate for brown patch. Here's the rate for dollar spot. Here's the rate for. I just don't want to fuck this up. <laughs> okay. Uh you know when you don't want to add to growth regulation. You just said something very important because the fungicides that do not add to the growth regulation effect are manzate and Elliot. Okay, that that is the, in fact, honest truth. That is the suggested fungicide treatment for a bent green in the summer. And a bent green in the summer is probably as sensitive as you can get regarding turf grass and what you don't do to it. Because, uh, let's see, yeah, as Ryan said, golf supers have lost their jobs Mm. because they hit their greens with the full rate of a DMI in Midwestern heat. That's just is something you don't do. That was the, the justification of, of adding the, the, the clearies in there to run, you know, um, mm-hmm. peak, peak stress. So, you know, June, July, August, and mm-hmm. maybe reserve the Armada for, you know, spring and fall when, when it's when okay. I'm putting it under some stress. That is the actual suggested thing to do is they you know the now that what i've been reading about using dmis on cool season is you try to use them as much as you can on the shoulders of the season so early spring while it's still cool go for it uh fall when it cools off again go for it but resync it in midsummer heat just resync it you know that's 
that's just you know the the, the current good practice uh, that they suggest when using something like that, and that applies doubly true if you're going with the first generation DMI like propiconazole, because propiconazole is probably an example of something where I think that might have been a good PGR. But it just so happened that it did a very good job of managing diseases. <laughs> it was <laughs> <laughs> seriously, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> one of the ultimate FAFO products in turf history, mm-hmm. right there, mm-hmm. right up there, right up there with, uh, oh, I don't know, guys, you know, biocharkin, something like that. Speaking mm-hmm. of FAFO. Uh, <laughs> You weren't. Hey, you weren't. I, I was trying to snap your attention. I was trying to get it to you. <laughs> you, you did. You, so actually, I I tweeted uh, about oh, the fuck. irrigation Jeez. pH, water pH, and uh, severity of uh, summer patch in Kentucky bluegrass. I'm just curious if, if anyone knows. I've never seen it talked about. Now it's it's in my head, and I feel like I need to come to some sort of. Uh, I, I don't know. I, w- I want some sort of answer on this. I, I, I just I want to I want to read the discussion actually more more than anything. I'm probably going to test the pH of my water. Yeah, I'm cu- oh boy, I'm curious. I'm, curious I'm going to lose sleep how, over it. How it turns out. pH of my water. I've, yeah, you know, trust me, around. I've got a pH meter just about and everywhere I spend time. I've got one on the table behind me here. I've got two at the office. I've got one in my office in Lenore City and. You know, you never know when you're going to need to test the pH of whatever it is you come across. They come in handy, <laughs> and they're and they're affordable. They're not they're not that expensive. It's like twenty bucks. I mean, listen, I, what a what a better way to start a a blind date or you know meet somebody from a dating app? And say, hey, listen, can I test the pH of your saliva and just make sure that we're we're going to mesh with animal? Is that yeah? Yeah, yeah. I can't have yeah. an acid base reaction take place right here. <laughs> And uh, generally exothermic, and some sort of salt is formed, and and we can't we can't have that. Okay, listen. If we're gonna have if we're gonna have the baking soda volcano thing, we're gonna do that south of the equator and later on in this date. All right, sweetheart. All right, we've got to start wrapping this up. Yes. Uh, Brandon, yes. do you have any questions for us so we could continue this conversation in the show after the show? No, no. Que- I mean, I beat you guys up with questions all the time, and you guys are always really good to get back to me. And be, and be helpful and i think that's awesome um for the for, for 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 those of us that are willing to go you know we take 10 percent of the information from you and go find the other 90 percent. i think for those of us that are willing to do that that's fantastic um speaking of fafo products i'll kick us off on a on a, on a good note here uh you don't spray sulventrazone on your kentucky bluegrass in june i just want if you're considering managing kentucky bluegrass and have nuts edge do not do that (laughs) what rate by the way what rate should you not apply sulfentrazone to kentucky bluegrass in june i can't even remember what the rate was just don't do it and uh that's all you gotta know stay away from the sulfentrazone. i i i don't like okay that stuff yeah go on okay anyway that just that's just like a good uh, PSA right there because people often ask me, why do I keep sulfentrazone and carfentrazone on the truck? I get asked that, and and they they ask me, but doesn't sulfentrazone do everything that carfentrazone does? 
and vice versa? And the answer is no, because Carpenter Zone is safe to use at higher temperatures, whereas Sulfentrazone will burn your turf to a crisp. In hot weather, especially if that turf is not Bermuda. And even if it is Bermuda, you may experience a little bit of tip burn. Just putting that I, out there as a PSA. <laughs> I got a little more than tip burn. Um, I got some burnt toast, yeah. what I got, Ray. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was a hard lesson learned. And uh, I'm no longer be doing that. But, um, I, you know, you guys have been uh, instrumental in, in, in my overall knowledge, uh, in the very limited knowledge that I do have um, in just answering questions, making sure, you know, I have a, an understanding of what I'm getting myself into. And uh, just want to tell you guys, I appreciate all of the time that you take to educate folks. And, and uh, you know, for those of you that would normally get paid to do something like this, um, it's, it really goes a long way for people like myself that really want to understand and learn. Uh, listen, we, we've, I think we've all grown to deeply appreciate um, what little and seemingly insignificant impact that we can have on people. Like, again, I, I've said this before, when we started this, uh, it was definitely just to talk amongst friends. And it turns out that people enjoy listening to hear us talk and take this back and use it in something that's a hobby for them or an escape from whatever it is they do in a day to day. And that still blows our mind and we're grateful for it. But, uh, we're just up here jamming, doing what we love to talk about because we're all nerds. And uh, I know for a fact with the with every fiber of my being that we cannot help it. We just can't. So it is what it is. <laughs> and now it's time to go have those conversations in an adult forum. And I don't mean uh, the penthouse forum because that's just a little too risque for what we're able to provide as part of our membership content, which if you are not currently a member, Two options to join. We uh, can go ahead down there and click the join button on YouTube. We'd prefer if you went over to www.patreon.com forward slash burn return. Check us out over there. Barthoda, unnecessary. Uh, Come over there (laughs) and check us out. Uh, I don't know if we're any more of the price of an airport beer. We're probably actually far less than that uh, because of inflation. So, you know, while inflation has uh, affected many industries, it has not affected our Patreon. So again, you're getting more value for your money here if you invest in us versus anything else right now. We certainly do appreciate it. And with that, Brandon, thank you so, so, so much. We'll see you all you on the next one. Oh, Love real you. quick, real quick, Long Geek, if Long Geek is still is still watching, uh, you can... You can, grudge hold motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you can lick my left and right testicle and then follow by my taint. See ya! <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>